Last week, we had David Moore here sharing with us about the work that he's beginning to do in West Belfast, challenging and encouraging us, and it was really good to have him here. But for me, one moment that stands out from last Sunday was just a wee moment during the children's talk. Not many people may have even noticed it, but I was sitting over at the side, and I got to see it, and I thought that it was a class moment because David was speaking to the kids. You know, he was showing them pictures up on the screen, and a wee hand went up from one of the kids at the front. And I have to admit that when that happens, I tend to ignore wee hands. If I'm in the middle of a point, if I'm in the flow, I think, I'm not sure what that's going to be about. I'll not take the risk. I'll just fire on regardless and keep my head up. But David very graciously pointed down and said, yes. And the very clear answer came back, or statement came back, I can't see the screen, and nor could she. So, David immediately moved out of the way, and everybody was able to see the screen. We find that cute. We find that nice. We know that there's something about our boys and girls that they just don't stand on ceremony. It makes them really unpredictable. It makes parents, and I've been there, I've sat in that pew, it makes parents really nervous. What is my kid going to come out with next? When you see your child's hand going up, you think, what answer are they going to give? What are they possibly going to say? Because sometimes it can be completely random. But I want you to imagine today if a grown-up couple in this church came to a visiting minister after a service to correct him on what he'd been saying. How would you feel about that? Would you ever do that? Would you have the cheek to go up to some minister and say, sorry, but what you were saying today, I think that you didn't actually get to the point? Because that's exactly what happened in a synagogue in the city of Ephesus. There was a visiting preacher who had a really big reputation, and he was challenged, and he was helped so that he could see the whole truth of the gospel. And today, after a break of a month, we return again to the book of Acts. We have been discovering that this is, as Kevin DeYoung, the American pastor and writer, describes it, the story of the continuing work of Jesus. So, even though at this point Jesus has gone back to be with His Father in heaven, He has ascended back to glory, this is the, the story of the work that He is continuing to do through the Holy Spirit that He promised His believers. And actually, at this point of the story, if you look back again at verse 23 of chapter 18, although it's barely noticeable, it's another transition in the book. It's the beginning of another phase of the missionary work that Paul and his friends are engaged in. It's described as Paul's third missionary journey. But it's actually what comes at the end of the chapter after that that I want us to think about today. It is a way aside away from the main action. And that in itself is significant. It's important for us to see that because it is a great reminder to us that this is the story of the continuing work of Jesus, not Paul. Paul is not the big hero of this book. The Lord Jesus is. And we remember 
as we come to this passage today, a passage that it would be so easy to skip over in a sermon series or even in our own reading and our own study of God's Word, that there is nothing incidental in the Bible, that all Scripture, and that really means that all Scripture, every part of the Bible is God-breathed and it is useful. And so today my prayer very simply is that God would help us to be changed, to be challenged by this moment in the history of the church. So, with that in mind, please turn in your Bibles again to Acts chapter 18. Look at these verses with me, verses 24 to 28. And I want to look at this passage using four headlines today. And we'll just jump straight in. The first headline is this, good people can get it badly wrong good people can get it badly wrong. So, that in this passage, we're introduced to a man called Apollos. And what do we discover about Apollos? Well, in just a couple of verses, we discover so much about him. We find out that he was a Jew in verse 24. So, like many of the people who were part of the church of the first believers in Jesus, he came from a Jewish background. Remember that when Paul arrived in a new city or town, he first went to the synagogue and he preached the gospel there. And then we also discover in verse 24 that this guy Apollos was from Alexandria, and it's still there today. Maybe some of you have gone to Egypt and you've been in the city of Alexandria. It was one of the main cities in the Roman Empire at this time and it was the big center of learning. It had the best university in the world. It was the Oxford or the Cambridge of its day. And we find out that Apollos benefited from that education, that he was a well-educated man who probably had the privilege of receiving a really good education in his home city. Not only was he well-educated, he also knew his Bible. We're told in verse 24 that he had a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. And remember there that the Scriptures that Luke is talking about is what we call the Old Testament. It is the first part of our Bible because the New Testament was still a work in progress. The story of the New Testament was still being made in these events. And not only that, in verse 25, Luke says that Apollos had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He had received good Bible teaching, and he spoke about this. And we're told that he spoke with great fervor. Verse 25, we would say today he was passionate about God, and that came across in his preaching. And the one other thing is that he taught about Jesus accurately, as it says in verse 25. The things that he did say about Jesus were in no way wrong. It wasn't that he was a false teacher, that he was saying stuff that was totally off the ball. It wasn't like that at all. And yet, despite all of these really good things, what becomes clear is that there was something missing. When it came to this guy, Apollos, what he believed, and what he preached. It all sounds so good, what we've heard about him so far, but then 
the thing that was missing. Look at the end of verse 25. We're told all these things about Apollos, but Luke ends, though he that is Apollos knew only the baptism of John. And this is the thing about Apollos. It's a big thing that we need to learn today. Apollos was deficient in his knowledge of Christ, and therefore he was deficient in his preaching of Christ. That's so important. I'm going to repeat that again so that we understand this. Apollos was deficient. He was lacking in his knowledge of Christ, and therefore he was deficient. He was lacking in his preaching of Christ. What is it that Luke is telling us? What was it that was going on in Apollos's life? Well, we're told that Apollos knew of John the Baptist and his teaching. So, he knew what John had said about Jesus, but he did not know what Jesus had said about himself. So, what he had heard about Jesus was good stuff because we know who John the Baptist was. We know what John the Baptist's attitude towards Jesus was. It was John who said of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. So, he had heard good things, and he'd heard John's message of repentance. And repentance is really important. We talk about it a lot here in Church in Connor because the Bible talks a lot about the need of repentance, the need of turning away from our sin. But the thing is, the Lord Jesus preached not only a message of repentance, turn away from your sin, He also said, turn to me, trust in me, believe in me, follow me. And that was the bit, the crucial bit that was missing from Apollos' life and from his preaching. He did not know of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. He didn't know that salvation was found through faith in Him. And whether or not Apollos was a born-again believer at this point, and scholars, believe me, when I was reading about this, they're very divided on that, and there's all kinds of views on that. But really, the thing of central importance is this, that in this moment, Apollos did not have the full picture of Jesus. He did not have a full understanding of the gospel. And what a danger. People, what a warning that is for those in our churches today, including here in Connor. Because in our churches, in this church, there are people who can look the part, who can sound like Christians, who can be God-fearing and upright, who can know a bit about Jesus. But it's possible that they are missing the crucial thing, and that is a saving knowledge of Christ. You see, good people can get it badly wrong, and that's why then it has to be all about Jesus. And that is our second headline as we consider this passage. It has to be all about Jesus. And I know that I say that all the time. I say that about our individual lives. I say that about this church. And maybe you get fed up hearing that because you think to yourself, Philip, hang on, that is totally obvious. After all, this is the church of Jesus Christ. 
Of course, it has to be all about Jesus, and we know that. But the reason why I stress that so much is because after 25 years of ministry, I no longer make any assumptions about people and where they're at with the Lord. Think about Apollos. People would have made all kinds of assumptions about him. Here he is standing up to speak in a synagogue, talking about some of the things that Christians believe and hold dear. And yet, what was the reality? So, let me stress this today as much as I possibly can. In your life and in this church, it has to be all about Jesus. Because after all, it is Jesus who said, and we've got these words written large behind me out in the concourse, it was Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I am the only way to God. And because of that, later when Peter was preaching in the book of Acts, in Acts 4 verse 12, he says of Jesus, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so, I just ask you this afternoon, could it be that you have, in fact, got things badly wrong, that you have missed this crucial truth? And because it is so, so important that we get this right, because it is so vital that people understand the whole truth about Jesus, therefore, we see the importance of courage. That is our third headline. Because in these verses, Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned once again. We have met this couple already back at the beginning of chapter 18 last time in verses 1 to 3, if you scan through those verses. And we discovered last time that they were a married couple who lived in Corinth. They were believers in Christ. And Paul, when he came to Corinth, joined with them in their business of tent making. And later, they then joined. If you look through chapter 18, you see that they joined with Paul in his missionary work, and they arrived with him in Ephesus in verse 19. But Paul trusted them. When he moved on, he kept Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus to continue the work of the gospel. And it's there that they heard this man, Apollos, preaching in the synagogue in verse 26. And remember that this couple are people who had spent lots of time with Paul. If they were working alongside him, if presumably he had been staying with them, they'd had lots of conversation. They'd learned so much about the gospel, and they understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that alarm bells would have rang as they listened to Apollos. It's not that this man was saying anything wrong, because he wasn't. But the big problem was what was missing from his message. It's what he was not saying about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, imagine the dilemma that Priscilla and Aquila face. What should they do about this? Here is a respected man. This is a passionate preacher. This is a well-educated person. 
In fact, later on, he became a big deal in the church as acknowledged by Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 12. And there must have been this huge temptation for this couple to stay quiet. We'll, we'll say nothing. There's no way that we'll go to him and point these things out. And that's the case for us in our lives and in our church today, that often we justify our failure to confront someone with the truth by using spiritual arguments. Oh, well, we want to keep the unity of the, of the place. We want to, to be gracious. We want to be loving. But in fact, the reality so often is that we fail to confront someone with the truth because we're selfish. Because in fact, we want a quiet life. We want the easiest life possible. And our decision can be more to do with our comfort than God's glory. So, what did they do? Well, it's really important to see the style with which this couple acted. Look at verse 26, and you'll see that the NIV translates it like this. They invited Apollos to their home. Now, that's important. It wasn't straight up to the door at the end of the service who do you think you are? You've got it all wrong. You don't have a clue. Hounding the guy at the door, it wasn't like that. You see that there is no indication of harshness or hostility, but at the same time, we see that they made sure that Apollos was put right, that he understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at how that verse finishes. Yes, graciously, they invited him to their home, and then the next bit, and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. I think there's great encouragement in this, that ordinary people can be used by the Lord to help others understand the gospel, that if you love Jesus and you spend time in God's Word and you grow in your knowledge of the gospel, you could be used to help others see the truth. That's amazing. But I also see a great challenge in this, and that is to put someone right about the gospel requires courage. So, if we put ourselves in the shoes of Priscilla and Aquila, imagine the courage it took for them to, to, to step up to this guy and to invite him and then to challenge and correct this preacher who did not get it right. You know, the church today is so much like the church that we read about in Acts. Because think about it, we face all kinds of challenges, and we have all kinds of influences coming at us from our society. And out there, there are all kinds of teachings that are not in line with the truth about Jesus. Just go online, and you'll see that. And so, believer in Christ, will you take time to get to know the truth and then be brave enough to speak the truth? Will you challenge people who have got it so wrong about the gospel in a gentle and in a Christ-like way, not cutting the tripe out of them, 
but gently bringing them nearer to Jesus. And so, the final headline, if courage is important in this story, we also see the importance of humility. Because then let's turn back to Apollos again. And given all that we've heard about this man, this educated man, this persuasive man who was an eloquent speaker, this popular man, you might imagine that he would have told Aquila and Priscilla where to go when they invited him to their home, when he received their nice food, and then when he received their correction, he would have said to them, clear off. But what we see at the end of this chapter shows that Apollos had the humility to learn from these people. And none of us like to be told that we're wrong. I certainly do not like being told that I'm wrong. I know what I can be like, that I become defensive, that I seek to justify myself. But Apollos received correction from a brother and a sister in Christ with humility. And he and the church were better for it. And later on, we see the same kind of gentleness towards Apollos from the whole church that was shown by Aquila and Priscilla. Look at verse 27, that when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. You see, helping to put people right when they have got it wrong is a team effort. And there needs to be that same kind of grace, that same kind of gentleness as we seek people or as we lead people into the truth of the gospel. And as we come towards the end, here is the amazing result of all that happened. Look at the end of verse 27. We're told that on arriving, Apollos was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Do you see what happens here? Now this gifted man was used by God to help new believers and to defend the gospel. Now that he understood the whole truth of the gospel, he used the Scriptures to show that Jesus was the Christ. People, I need to apply all of this today. We live in a time when we are quick to assert our rights. That's what people are most interested in at every level of society, my rights. We live in a time when we don't like to be told that we're wrong, when we don't readily accept what we are told to do. And that can be the case in the church if we hear something preached that addresses something that is wrong in our lives, will we take offense? Sometimes we stop coming to church. We even might leave that church. But people, when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are submitting our whole life to Him. We're placing ourselves under the authority of the one who has been given all authority by his Father. 
We're submitting ourselves to the Scriptures and their authority. We're submitting ourselves to the authority of the leaders within the church of Jesus Christ who have been appointed to that role. And we are to be humble disciples. In, a, in an age, in a society that prides itself in pride, we are called to be humble. And just think of the impact that it would have on our church, that, that it would have on our community if we were courageous enough to correct people with the truth about Jesus. And if we were humble enough to accept that correction and to be changed by God's Holy Spirit for His glory. Amen.